This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. Have you seen that they've brought the breakfast wrap back? Oh, have they? Yeah, they have. I can't wait to get my hands on one. I don't doubt it, mate. I'm looking forward to trying their cheesy bacon flatbread. Oh, you saw. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello there, Nate, Jay and myself are back for another episode of Borough Pod to discuss the recent game against Newport County. Welcome to Borough Pod. Rossinho, passing from midfield, it's Rossinho! Well, if that is the goal to win the promotion, it's certainly worthy of it! An old tracker, an old Trafford cracker in front of the Stratford end! Hi everyone, it's, uh, it's take two of uh, recording this uh, episode. Jack uh, is uh, fucking everything up as normal. I've sworn already. Right. Um, anyway, uh, Jay, Pat, Nate, and uh, our first ever guest, Greg Kett. Hi boys. Afternoon. So, someone else say something. Anyone. <laughs> We're all too politely waiting for each other, or possibly too gloomily waiting for each other, it's hard to say. How are you doing, Nate? You all right? Uh, I'm really tired. Really, like, knackered. Like, beyond sort of normal levels of lethargy. Just, like, I don't know if Stephen is just taking it out of me and I'm miserable and it's making me feel tired. I just woke up and I just did not want to get up. But, you know... This is what happens when you go to Costco after the game, mate. It's hard life. <laughs> I, did get, I did get this beer, though. Uh, Paulina, lovely German beer. It's beautiful. Don't know what it says about me that I'm drinking quite early on a Sunday afternoon, but you know, never mind. Um, Yeah, so let's just talk about the game, uh, Patrick. Yeah, it was an interesting, wasn't it? We started fairly tentatively. They were all over us first quarter of an hour maybe, but they didn't really force any difficult saves. And I felt like the team grew into the game throughout the course of the first half. And um, certainly we first the most difficult save of the first half, but it was probably the only save in the game we forced that I can really remember from um, Westbrook as their keeper came out, swept something up, it fell to him and he just couldn't quite get his feet sort quickly enough to put it past the keeper who was stranded. And the guy... Fair play, made a good recovery and just uh, got up to enough to push it over. But we went into half-time feeling cautiously optimistic, certainly the group I was standing with seemed to be. You know, we'd grown into the game, we'd started looking the more likely team to score without really threatening too much. And then, as predicted, we went behind to a sloppy goal from a set-piece pretty early in the first half and that deflated us and they battled hard second half but without really creating anything... 
conceded a sloppy second goal and never really looked like getting back into it, even at one, to be honest. I didn't really have any faith they were getting back into it. So that's a, a sad, gloomy state of affairs. And whilst we didn't expect much from this game, I don't know, a point would have been a bonus. Results elsewhere see us dropped a third from bottom and now it's not in our hands, you know. Oldham could uh, win enough games to put it out of our hands, so we're relying on other teams to stay worse than us, which is never a comfortable position to be in. It was it was a strange first forty five minutes because I didn't didn't really feel like either team really gave anything to the game. It was we had a few opportunities, but we snatched at a lot of them. Um, in fact, at every opportunity, I'm even watching it back, you you look at there's just very little confidence sort of running through the team that they're going to be able to score goals. And that first goal was key. I think if, we, if we'd scored the first goal, I wouldn't say we, I'm not going to say we, we would have won that game necessarily, but I think it would have it would have moved Newport into a position that they definitely wouldn't have wanted to be in. That's chasing something against a team that's then going to be defending for their lives. And for us, I don't think we really knew whether to stick or twist. And the first goal, once we'd conceded it, it was only ever going to go one way. So this, this team just doesn't have the ability to to chase games down in the same way. Um, and it's, for me, it was, it was frustrating because I, I didn't think that Newport were, were a great side, um, despite their league position, what they showed yesterday didn't really give, give me anything to suggest that they they should be where they are in the league. Um, and everyone can have those days for sure. We all know that, but it was, it was just one of those that if you can't beat a side who play as badly as that, you know, you're in deep trouble. Yeah, that's fair. Their home form looks a lot better than their away form. And certainly if you just come to that blind and asked where Newport were in the table, you'd have said like, you know, maybe 15th, 16th, you know, mid-table. Not in danger, but not like exceptional. Yeah, it's. I, I think I think the way, I think the, the, the story of the game, um, the way everything played out, is something that we see regularly at Stevenage where... Uh, and it's not just under Tisdale. It's been, it's, it's been an awful long time where... You you see the our opposition come to the game. The first forty five minutes, they're feeling their way into the game, seeing what we got, seeing what we're going to do. Half time comes round, you know, nil nil or, what, or maybe one nil. They make adjustments. They come out in the second half. Those adjustments pay off. Pay off because we're doing the same thing that they adjusted to. We don't change things up, really, do we? Play the same balls forward. Say the same. Play the same way out of defence all the time. It's we've got we we're, we're so unbelievably one dimensional. We don't do any of the basics, the basic things in football, you know, passing, moving, getting your head up. Genuinely, those three things alone, we don't do well enough um, to to ride on when you know maybe the opposition are in the ascendancy. That do those things well enough, so we we. As soon as uh, as soon as the opposition start start pressing their advantage on us, we capitulate. We don't win fifty fifties. We don't make it to the second ball first. We we lose the aerial battle more often more often than not. We actually won the aerial battle somehow this weekend, but I would never have said that we had. I didn't feel like we did. We might have won the header, but the knockdown went straight to Newport all the time. My feeling throughout the game was that Newport had four or five men in the middle of the park when it was only really Van Kooten or Upson there because the other one had been pulled out of position 
all the time, or that Taylor was there trying to flick the ball onto someone and it went to Newport. It was. It wasn't a great. It, it wasn't a great performance by, by any stretch. I think that's the problem this weekend, isn't it? It's the performance. It's the nature of the loss. Newport are in the in the position they're in for a reason, you know, because they're because they're managing to win games. It's, it's that's the be all and the end all of it. Um, we aren't expecting many points this month, so any points really are a bonus. But we have to put the performance in to make this month like to keep us sort of you know, centered, you know, just to keep the fans. Keep us just afloat. Keep us thinking. Okay, we shouldn't be expecting much from this week. If we can play well and we lose to a goal or two, it's not the end of the world. You know, if you play well against a better team and they win, you leave feeling a bit frustrated. But it's like, well, yeah, we played well. We just played. We were outplayed. They were better. When you don't do any of the any of the basic things right. You can't feel like that, can you? You can't leave feeling positive. It's never going to happen. The thing is, if you listen, if you listen to Tisdale's interview yesterday, it, it was almost, it almost, it most sounded like it wasn't a performance thing, and the performance was on point, and it was, it was exactly what he was expecting, and it was almost like, you know, we were just unlucky and we just didn't get the rub of the green, which was, which is a complete opposite of what I took away from watching that game yesterday. And I'm pretty sure complete opposite of most people who was watching that game yesterday. It felt like we were second best to, to most things. And even when, even when Newport in the first half weren't particularly playing well, no one, there might have been a little bit of optimism in terms of we're still in it, but there was never optimism of, yeah, if we, we go and do exactly what we do, what we just did in that first half, we'll win this game. And that's the biggest problem. Yeah, for me. and it's funny that because one of the things we complimented um, Tisdale for in previous episode was his realism in the post-match press conference and how he wasn't kind of sugarcoating the losses. And that was not the case last night. It was more like, what 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 straws are you clutching out there? Because as far as I can remember, we forced one difficult save and we never looked like getting a point once we went behind. And all, you know, it feels like a missed opportunity because they weren't that great and we gave up goals and points cheaply and you just can't afford to do that at any level, particularly when you're fighting for your life in League Two. Um, his presser afterwards, I think it was really difficult because if you think about it, he could have come out and spoke the truth and told it exactly how it was, but I think he's trying to rally the troops and if he goes out and tells them all how bad they really, tells us all how bad they really were, He's not going to get anything out of them. So I can kind of understand manager talk there by, you know, I thought they were right. I thought they were pretty good. I was happy with them. But he's done that just for show and just for the players. But feel have absolutely ratted them out. I think we'd have had a problem there. But I think that's what I think him doing that's worse because that's just insult. There's not any, like, I, feel, I find that insulting. Like, yeah, I agree. It's insulting to the fans because it's like he's, he's almost like insulting our intelligence by going, ah, you know, you're actually all fucked. Idiots, you're wrong. We weren't that bad. It's like no, we were. We were fucking idiots. So either you're being a prick by calling us idiots, or 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 you haven't got a fucking clue. Neither's good, is it? No, no, I do agree with what you're saying. I think there was just expectation of everybody in the ground, every player that we knew what was coming, and I think there wasn't there wasn't an atmosphere. And I'm not saying that's got anything to do with players or the result or anything like that. But it was just like, oh, well, it's happened. 
and throughout the whole of the game, it just was complete and utter silence. There was no no atmosphere whatsoever in that ground. That just like that's been not, that's been the same for a long time. I mean, I mean, I've 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 been one of those who's moved from from the east terrace to the north, and it's it's like yeah. a morgue in there most of the time. And I, I get that when it's not particularly great on the pitch, it's hard to get behind. But even even when when we have won the odd game, it hasn't felt like it's been bouncing like like it used to. That's that's just been the case for. I don't know, three three plus years now. Yeah. I don't know why they started. People started leaving at sixty one yeah. minutes at one nil down, which is a sign because like there's been seasons where you've still felt we're pretty likely to go on and win it at one nil down in the, with the half an hour to go, yeah. and it was just already like, yeah, we're not getting back into this. We may as well go. And I thought at the time, come on, lads, what are you doing? And then two nil ended tamely. Yeah, okay, I can see why you did it now. I wouldn't, but I can see why I you did it. I don't know why they started drumming at, like, 87 minutes. <laughs> but if you suddenly fight, woke if you up. you got the drum there, use it. I didn't hear the drum once until the 87th minute. And then there was just a dude hitting it with absolutely no rhythm for two minutes and then he give up. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> absolutely shocking. But the... I mean, that's on brand, at least. Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah, doesn't... It's... Matches the pitch, doesn't it? What's on the pitch? Doesn't this boil down to like what was great about Stevenage in in and not even just in the good times, just in the times when when you know the fans were behind the direction the club was going in. I don't know what the direction this club is. Well, in terms of national league, sure, it looks like likely this that's the direction. But in terms of where off the pitch, you know, where this club actually wants to be. You know the the mottos that you see banded about everywhere. They've not lived those for right. for so long. And if you can't get people behind, you know what you're looking to achieve. We've just we've just been treading water for for a number of years now, and that's not going to get a get people through the gates. I mean, I think it's a miracle that we still get the number of fans we do. You know, I yeah, thought was yeah. it about two two seven yesterday. I mean, if you take a few hundred Newport or something, I mean that that's 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 a miracle in my opinion. But the the drops that you put on the pitch. And yeah, how can you get people to, to buy into it in the local area if if a like we all know the only way you're going to build this fan base is by having success on the pitch, sure, but you can also build it in other ways. And I don't think that we've that they've done that. And it's not helping when you've got eleven players on the pitch, of which nine of them, I mean, in fact, it's probably even more than that. None of those players I would sit there and, and lose sleep over if they were to move on in the summer, whatever division we end up being in. That links in nicely to one of the questions we got from Owen around um, Phil Wallace's quest for 6,000 average attendance to help take the club up into the championship, which he said just after we were promoted to League One, so before we started any League One football. That's maybe an overstatement of what that document said. He didn't say he didn't set out a roadmap for that or anything. He just said, if we can do that, we can sustain championship football as a club, and that's you know an ultimate long-term goal I'd like to achieve. And I went back and looked at the like season rolling average attendance archives and it hasn't dropped as much as I thought it would actually. It was still 2,900 back in 2019-2020 when we finished 23rd. So as, as Greg says, it's, it's miraculous that it's stayed that high, I think, given the quality of the football we've seen over the last two or three seasons. But you're right, it's, it's as much about atmosphere as it is about numbers through the gate. You know, it does not the raucous support that there was. You don't feel like we're driving a team forward. We're just there. Yeah. I, yeah, 
6,000 is never going to happen. Let's be brutally realistic about this, right? We, we've got a good catchment area. It's a, it's a big town and in theory, 6,000 isn't unachievable, but it's, it's just not going to happen realistically. I mean, we get somehow promoted to the championship in the next 10 years. I still, I still think we struggle to get 6,000 people through the gate. Um, it's, we, we are what we yeah. are, but the thing is what we were when we, when we were successful is, is, is a football club that people didn't want to come to. And no one wanted no no one wanted to come and play at abroad away because it was one of those games you knew you were going to be in the battle you knew that you were going to probably end up coming out on the losing side if you got a point we had teams celebrating down down the other end we're getting a point now it's you get a point at our place devastated you haven't got all three yeah <laughs> I said I said this the other day uh, we've gone from being we've gone from being a team that you really didn't want to play home or away to being a team where you look and go, okay, well, that's six points. The worst team in the League 2 away table is Scunthorpe, and they drew with us at our place. So uh, that tells you everything we need to know. And the second worst is us, so uh, let's just gloss over that and move on. They're going up to the Championship, and you also got to look at going down as well, and the ramifications around that. So you get your parachute funding for two years from leaving the League. First year, you get 100% of it. Then the second year, you get 50% of it. And then after that, you're done. So if you don't get back up, you can't offer. So, for example, we spoke before we started recording earlier on before, before you joined us, mate, about the club making money last year. And because it was that young lad that uh, that was sold to Man City for, for a good amount of money, that won't happen. Because no. you won't have an academy. You won't have a foundation. The great work that was done for years and stuff like that, down, essentially gone. So if we do go down, you're talking about jobs, jobs lost. Oh, it'd just be absolutely awful. Getting out of that league is tough. Sorry, all three at the same time. Yeah, you just got to look at the teams that have gone down and how long it's taken for some to come back. And in some cases, how long it's taken some to still struggle to come back. I mean, teams like Wrexham, you know, now have got multi-millionaire owners and are pushing themselves in the right direction, but they've been down for over 10 years, I think. Um, Notts County have been down for three or four years now. There's, there's loads and loads of examples of teams that have taken five plus years to to get back and and i don't think we're a we're not as a, a bigger club in, in in terms of the support as a lot of the clubs i've just mentioned there wrexham Notts county stockport county you know those teams are arguably they have a much much bigger fan base than us so if wallace ends up sticking around he's gonna have to fork out a lot of money to get this team back and even then we all know forking out a load of money is no guarantee there's a lot of teams that have done that in the past and failed pretty badly so I, I I fear us going down because I think you will see the average attendance probably drop certainly to a certain extent I, just, I don't think it'd be crazy but you're not going to get the the bigger way supports that you do sometimes get in this division to drive those those averages up um, and like you say the parachute funding all the funding you get for being a football league club I think will be yeah I, I can't see why Wallace would want to stick around we we, we say we said that uh... Said last time about the with the uh, these uh, uh, the shares he's given to the SA. It looks like he's already foot out of the door, doesn't it? And honestly, yeah. I can't wait. I just want someone who's got a vision for the club that isn't bullshit. Because I don't, because I don't believe in Phil. Whatever Phil's vision is, I don't know what Phil's vision is, but I can tell you now, whatever it is, I don't believe in it. 
I think you've got to be careful there, Nate. Um, what he's done for the club's been amazing. Oh, no, no doubt. Look, I don't really disagree. Like, completely saved the club, and he's taken us to places where it was yeah. unlikely that we were going to go. You know, the League One playoff. Like, you can't, you can't, you can't deny his involvement in getting us there. But but it's gone. It went stagnant a long time ago, and the responsibility at the end of the day falls at his feet. The only, the only criticism I can give Phil Wallace is his inability to be able to pick a manager who's actually can go on and create some level of success that doesn't have the name Graham Wesley. And let's face it, he's only been able to do that in one spell that he's picked him anyway, realistically. Mm-hmm. So every every other manager or appointment he's had, even if there's been spells of, you know, we're doing all right, end of last year with Revel, we actually looked, looked a decent enough side, ended up finishing comfortably mid-table. We had a spell with with Dino where we didn't look too bad, you know. There's there's Chair. but they're yeah, precisely right. So you, you kind of get yourself out of jail with players like that sometimes. But there's been there's been odd spells here and there. But let's face it, his managerial history in terms of appointing a manager is absolutely abysmal, and it hasn't changed with Tisdale so far. Tisdale's had January to go and fix what he he felt needed to be fixed, and none of those new signings at all give me any confidence whatsoever, along with how Tisdale's running this from a, from a footballing side of things, that they're going to be able to get us out of trouble. Yeah, I just don't feel myself, don't feel any, any um, love for any of the January signings. Him really done well. I think he's kept us in quite a few games and kept the score down. But apart from that, I don't really see anything that the new signings have brought in that we haven't got already. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't agree more. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what Upson really offers. It's, he's not better than Lines. He's just, he's, so just a, he's just watching a, him. He's a passenger in the middle of that midfield. Like, he just, yeah, he, he just sort of runs between the lines. When he's on the ball, I'd say eight times out of ten, it feels like he just either loses possession or gives the ball away. Um, look. Van Kooten's not a centre-half, he's not a holding midfielder, he's kind of doing that job and they're just hoping that, that he can kind of fill that gap, but that's not his position, let's be brutally honest. I'd rather them go three at the back and have him playing with, with Cuthbert and Prosser as, as a three yeah. and then have the, the kind of wing-backs rather than two full-backs who just then constantly get exposed, but they don't seem to want to play that way for whatever reason. Um, I just I just don't think any of the signings, Westbrook, I can't, there's nothing, there's, it doesn't bring anything to, to, to the game. He runs around a lot, but he doesn't have any real quality whatsoever. And and I think a lot of people at Bristol Rovers, when we signed him, were on Twitter, were saying, you know, good luck, etc. And we see that with only when you sign realistically. Yeah. So you try and take it as a pinch of salt. But in him, I think we've seen exactly what a lot of those, a lot of those Bristol Rovers fans were saying good luck for, because I don't see what he brings to the table. And also what we've seen since Tisdale's come in and since he's got injured in particular is, we're not seeing the best of Elliot List at the moment. Now, is that because no. he's not fit, or is that because he just doesn't fit this new system that Tisdale's trying to play because well, he's he, not doing what he was doing before? Well, he, he obviously he went out of the team because of injury, and then we started playing well. But we've been playing badly enough again for long enough that it's probably like, okay, well maybe we need to start bringing him back into the fold and starting him again because he is one of our more talented players. He gets us goals. 
I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of he got injured and we started playing well. We had a, a three or four games where, where we looked a decent side. I agree. But even when we weren't playing well, Elliot Liss could go and get you a goal at any time. And he was, and he was, and he was, getting, he was getting us goals and getting us, you know, odd results here and there from, even though the rest around weren't particularly performing that well. And I think that's what you want from Elliot List. So, but you need everyone else then to up their level, but he's just, he just hasn't looked the same. Even when he's played and granted he hasn't played a lot, but saw him come on against Barrow and just didn't, didn't even look like he was he was fit and ready to play. I mean, I could have gone out there and probably looked fit and then. So it's just it just was it's just been frustrating and I don't think he suits Tisdale's style. I'm not really sure 100 what this style is, but he doesn't suit it. <laughs> um, I think that's that's a big problem. I uh, I thought of something um, that Zane Westbrook offers. We're not having to see Bruno Andrade that much. Yeah, yeah, they're both so similar. I think they are that, that we spoke. I think it was at episode one about Bruno, a luxury player, and he's just not that type of player for, for the current space that we're currently in. But I think he's exactly the same, Westbrook. He, he yeah. is a luxury on a four to have. You'd, I'd rather have um, oh, you know, Reed in there, who's gonna who's gonna run it all game. When, when Reed and Listy came on yesterday, I thought the game was injected with energy uh, by well, at least ten percent more. Well, up, um, up until it was so much better, they were passing the ball, they were wanting it more. But yeah, I'm afraid Westbrook for me, he's out. Up until um, oh no, up up until the, uh, the he made the change, um, we had something like forty one percent possession. Then when that first that first change happened, sorry, forty two percent possession. Until until Listy and Reed come on. After Listy and Reed come on, we went up seventy. See, went up for to sixty four percent possession. Completely, I don't. I mean, I don't want to say it completely changed the game, but we did start looking like we were drawing our way back into it for a little bit. After they, we looked like we had better balance, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like with Van Kooten and Upson as your centre back pairing, it's mostly pretty direct not particularly high percentage passes into your more attacking players. And I think that's coupled with the problem that particularly Westbrook is reacting to what's happening rather than making a move to create it. So he's always slightly too late getting to where he's needed to be, by which time the ball's gone somewhere else and he has to loll it back in the opposite direction. So I don't think he has exactly the same issue as Andrade. I think he does look to get involved more. But he's reactive, not proactive, yeah. and that means that you're never quite where you need to be. And that's not just him; that's indicative of a lot of the problems that the team has as a whole at the moment. It's all very um, play it somewhere and then chase to where it's gone to, rather than make a move to give the option to play it there. So you're already heading in the direction before it sets off. There's a seems to be a lack of. Um, almost belief in the game plan and what each other are doing so you react to it rather than reacting for it. The, yeah. the problem the problem is is if you've got Westbrook who is more of a luxury player, I think you can probably file Carter under the same, let's be honest, like technically a good player, but he's he's not he's not the side that we've got, he isn't gonna flourish in it. Uh, and then Bruno, I mean, 
to call him a luxury. I, I, I'm not so sure about that personally. I think I get what you mean when you when you call him a luxury, but he's a complete complete waste of space in my mind. I don't think he he offers anything of any sort. Whenever I've seen him play, and even even in his first spell, he's the king of stepovers and other than that, what else does he give you? Um, but the thing is, is when you've got players that are luxury, you need ten other players around or nine other outfield players around who are going to go and do do the dirty work, and there isn't. We haven't got that, so you can't have. You're just carrying them constantly throughout the throughout the ninety minutes. Yeah, and complete, complete dead weight. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's uh, let's just have a quick rundown of League Two this weekend. So obviously, Stephen is nil, Newport two. Um, uh, we had Friday. Uh, we had Tramway winning three two against Mansfield home, uh, and then Saturday the rest of three o'clock kickoffs with Exeter nil, Salford nil, Forest Green nil, Bradford two. Hartlepool nil, Leighton nil, uh, Port Vale four, Crawley one. Sorry, I haven't watched the John Yem's uh, the John Yem's uh, interview there, but I can't wait to have a look at that. Uh, Bristol Rovers three, Harrogate nil, Carlisle two, Northampton one. Um, so that's a that that's that's a problem because that's a team around us. Well, they've had a bit of a better run recently, but that's a team in our kind of area beating our next opponent. That's not good. Uh, Rochdale nil, Barrow nil, Scunthorpe nil. So Scunthorpe one, Colchester three. So it's uh, it's another team around us that's got more points. Uh, Swindon one, Oldham nil, and Walsall one, Sutton nil. So that leaves the foot of the table because I didn't bother, bother talking about the top top half pointers. Scunthorpe still bottom, obviously on twenty four points. 23rd at Oldham with two games in hand and only three points back on us with 31 points. And Stevenish 36 played for 34 points. Barrow 35 played for 34 points. Leighton Orient 34 played for 36 points. Colchester 36 played 39 points. Rochdale 34 played 39 points. So it's in, it is increasingly looking like it's out of our hands because the team above us, the, the, the next team above us with 36 games played are Colchester with 39 points with five points off of them. So Orient, Barrow and Oldham all have a lot of uh, they've got multiple chances to get themselves out of the mire. It's going to be one of the three, surely. It's going to be one of Barrow, us or Oldham that, that take that other relegation spot. And my worry with Oldham is they've got two games in hand. Based on our next three games, that could be seen as essentially five games in hand because I can't see us getting a point from any of those three games. And if that is the case, then how far ahead are they going to be by the end of those five games? Like how many how many points are we going to have? Going to be adrift by that point that we need right. to then make up elsewhere? And it just it's just looking like and I was saying to Pat before we start recording that game on the second of April at home to Oldham is as about as big a relegation six-pointer as you're ever going to get. It's just going to be huge. Yeah, if Oldham keep picking up points at their current rate, they'll be like two ahead of us going into that fixture. So we'll need to win it to leapfrog them. And that's a tough proposition when you're a team playing like we are, who will be off the back of we're expecting five losses in a row, eight losses at the last ten and two draws at that point. It's... Really, really difficult times. So Oldham's games in hand are Sutton and uh, Leighton Orient, both of whom they play before we meet. We meet them. 
mean, they'll fancy. They'll fancy. They almost want them to draw with Orient to draw another team back into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. They've got so their next, their next six: Walsall away at Walsall, and then at home four in a row: Exeter, Sutton, Mansfield, and Orient. For them visiting Broadway. away. Whereas our next five until we meet Oldham. Or our next four are Northampton, Mansfield, Exeter, and then Oldham. So we've got by far a tougher run there of opponents, but obviously they've got to fit five games into three weeks, where we've only got to fit three games into three weeks. So it's going to be really interesting, really, really interesting to see the point both clubs are at when they come and visit. Mm Mm-hmm. What's the chance of them going bust this year? I think that's our best hope at the moment, though. <laughs> well, I think it might be Derby or Chelsea. Right? Going bust, that's our best, our best choice, best option. We can't get off on a technicality again. That's just going to get embarrassing. When uh, <laughs> when when Dar- when, it, when the news come out that uh, Derby had been given a little bit more time to prove that this, this sale was going to happen, um, <laughs> somebody tweeted... Somebody's t- response to that tweet was Stevenage can't keep getting away with it. He was a Macclesfield fan, obviously, so he can go and get in the bin. They just won the league yesterday. Yeah, they did. Mm. However many steps down, like seven steps down, like we ain't going to see them for 20 years. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, that's that. Um, anyway, should we, I don't know. What else, what else do we normally talk about? Uh, have we got a stat of the week? Pat, I'll come to you. You're normally the man, aren't you? For stats. Stat of the week. No, right, I guess we ain't got one. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, alright. It's. We've uh... got quite a lot know. of questions. I think. Yeah, let's, uh... let's just move on to the questions. We have got. Twitter came in. Twitter came in clutch, didn't it? It would give us a ton of questions. Yeah, we've touched on some of them, so Chud asked, have any of Tidsdale's players actually improved us? And that discussion basically narrowed it down to maybe Pim at a stretch, but probably not any of the rest of it is better than what we already had in the team, do you reckon? My only thing with Christy Pim is that guy does not look imposing in goal at any... Like, he just, to me, if I'm, if I'm a centre-forward, I'm fancying my chances of in a one-on-one against him. I'm not saying he's a bad keeper by any stretch of the imagination either. I actually think he's he's definitely better than Anang. He's definitely better than Bastion. He's definitely better than Adam Smith and whoever else we've had in goal this year. But yeah, just for me, I don't know. It just um, just doesn't feel like I quite, I quite like keepers who are sort of feel like you know you've got a wall to get past, even if you're through one on one. He doesn't give me that at all. No. I did think, wow, he's short, and then look it up, and he's actually six foot. So, uh, but you're right, deceptively. <laughs> he is not six foot. I'm just quoting what Google told me. Right, it may be wrong. Oh, Google must be right. Fair enough. He don't look. He don't look it at all, does he? he looks like he's five no. foot five. <laughs> uh, another one from t- from Chuds and a couple of other people. Then, uh, do we think Tisdale lasts the season? I can mental to. Get rid of him now. Let's be honest. If, if he goes, there's only better. if he goes, there's only one there's only one person who 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 he'd go to, right? And let's face it, no one wants that. Yeah, that's fair. 
And I, I, I agree. We talked about it another week. I think you need eighteen months as a manager to really build the team and take it forward in your direction. He's had a short amount of time to do some firefighting, but he hasn't had long enough to really impose what he wants to do here. I get, and yeah, the only reason for getting shot is if it looks absolutely clueless, and the message you're getting from him behind the scenes is deluded, and it didn't feel like that until the post-match interview this time, but maybe it's starting to head in that direction. Who knows? But If you know, we get spanked by Oldham, then he's gone. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I think it's viable. I, I, I can see it happening. We know that he's done it before. He, what did we have? Four in one season. Um, I think if it gets to the point where we literally yeah. are in dire and, uh, and we haven't won for a seven games in a row... Um, well, we're we're up we're up to uh, eight games without a win now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go another six, seven games, then yeah, a hundred percent. You can't. What is it? They normally say it's about ten. And it's just last ten. Yeah. Last... We've only got we've only got ten left. I don't think I think if he's going to go, you can't wait six or seven more, unless you're in a position that because by six or seven it could be game over, but it could be curtains. And in which yeah, point I mean, then that's... is there a point of sacking him if if you're not even in in with a shout of of staying up? That's that's what I'm saying. After the older game, if we lose, if we lose to Oldham and the performances are still absolute dogs, he probably has to go. I'm shocked. Because if you go, if we lose to Oldham and he and 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 the performance is dreadful, whoever comes in next has got got seven days to prepare for Colchester, then Rochdale, then Scunthorpe. So those are three. Those are three winnable games, and you know you would argue that already they're must win. No matter what else happens, those are must win games. I find it really hard. Finish. I find it really hard to call any game winnable at the moment. Like it just feels like even whoever. whoever yeah, absolutely. I mean, we couldn't even beat my home this year. That's true. I, it's, I, I just struggle to sit there. Of any of those games that are left, yes, I agree with you saying 100%. The Olden game is going to be massive, and we have to win that one. Yeah. And is it winnable? Well, yeah, um, you, you should. it should be winnable, but is it actually winnable? I'm not so sure. Um, and same with you know, Scunthorpe away from home, and actually on the road, we're just, we are so, we've been so poor for so long, it's yeah. really hard to sit there and say with any confidence we'll win that game. But... I think it will book, that Olden game will be absolutely huge. Where we are at the end of that game will will go a long way to whether we whether Tisdale is going to be here for the for, for the rest of the season, yeah. or whether or whether you know we're even in with a shout of, of staying up by that point. One of the things Nate mentioned early early was picked up by Phil Totten, who asks: We seem to defend very passively. Do you think this is by instruction or down to the attitude and confidence of the players? How do people feel about that one? I can't believe that it's by instruction. I can't believe that that anybody would set a team out to play the way that we do when we're really pony. So I've got to say it's attitude, which is almost as depressing, isn't it? It feels to me, and we we talked about it before, it feels like a kind of a lack of confidence in the system, so you don't know... Is that my responsibility to deal with? Do I pass it on? If I try and deal with it and it's a mistake to do that and I've made that mistake and got us in trouble, so then people hesitate 
and suddenly a left-back curls it into the top corner from 20 yards with his right foot because five players haven't closed him down. And, you know, that's as bad as not taking the responsibility and dealing with it in the first place. But that that's kind of what it looks like to me. The experience on paper of this team, though, you you, you can't... Surely you're not... It can't be an attitude thing when you've got two centre-halves who are both into their 30s and both played hundreds and hundreds of games in this league. You've got, you know... Even at, even at right back, a guy who's played a lot of games in, at this level, like you, you, it's it kind of feels like to me, to a certain extent, it it can't all be attitude. It had, there has to be a little bit of instruction of you know this is how we want you know we want you to defend and or this is how we want you to to, to set up and it's just not working. I mean, Luther Wadi at left back is it's just I know I think I don't know what's happened to Kogra I'm assuming he's injured I'm not sure what's going on and clearly the young the young lad from it switch isn't good enough but like having Wild in a left back just doesn't feel like it's 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 working out it's, I mean, it just looks that's a un- real concern isn't it because we've nothing about Coker's injury and when he's going to come back and we desperately need him to be back because as you say the left back we brought in has clearly not been deemed good enough playing a right back out of position at left back. I think I'd argue with the last game, Wilding did better out of position than O'Neill did in position. I agree with that, but yeah. It's we miss Coker. Coker is a massive step up, and I'd rather have Coker at left back and Wilding at right back. I think we'd be better set with that um lineup, but time will tell. Yeah, the other thing that came in from a lot of people would be what's the formula for success with the players we've got? What would we do to improve? Um, Dean sent us in that gem along with David Valentine. It's a difficult one for me. As I say, I think the biggest concern is the lack of balance throughout the team. So I'd like a defensive midfielder, be that Van Kooten, Bostwick or Upson with a more creative player alongside them, be that Reed or Carter, someone who can get their foot on the ball and really look to play it forwards. I think what we've seen alongside Norris is that List is probably still our second best striker. Um, if he's, you know, depending on his fitness levels and if he can only do half an hour, then who do you start alongside Norris instead of him? And on the basis of what I've seen recently, I think I would edge for give Carter a go up there because he's got that presence about him. And then what do you do in the rest of that midfield? Do you keep Westbrook in? Do you drop him? I think um, Taylor is a mainstay, but the other place there is up for grabs. And there's not a lot of people doing the grabbing at the moment. I just want to know what's happened to Jake Reeves. Like, how, why, like, why, why is it, how is his injury How is his injury coming on? I know it's a broken arm, but like I've said it a couple of times. Like You see players play with broken arms all the time. Like, what, what exactly is going on? Like, why... Why, are we, why have we heard nothing about it? That really pisses me off. I mean, at least in his case, we knew they announced straight away he's done for the season. So it's not a shock that he's been gone. Whereas with Koki, you're just kind of yeah. waiting with no knowledge whatsoever. My biggest problem biggest problem with this team, and it's been a problem even pre-Tisdale, is you're trying to play four, four centre midfielders in a pretty tight pitch. You're just you're just trying to put too too much emphasis into the middle, and it just becomes congested to the point of your players that obviously aren't good enough first and foremost. Trying to trying to do things in in those circles. So you've got 
then the only width you've got is your fullbacks, and your fullbacks are bombing forward, trying to trying to get involved in the play in the wide areas, and then leaving themselves completely exposed. So you need to have, you know, um, I don't think we've got that natural width for anyone who can actually come in and, and a give support to the fullbacks to so stop them getting exposed, but b also drive in the other direction and start bringing bringing this team forward. And it's been like that all season. It was like that for most of last season, in fairness as well. Um, they seem to want to play this sort of diamond or interchangeable system where you're playing essentially four centre midfielders every week, and it just it just hasn't worked for so long. Surely, if we're seeing that, surely people like Tisdale must be seeing it and thinking, well, we've got to, we've got to change something up. Yeah, I said it last. I think I said it last week. My 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 solution to our to our woes is five five at the back. Three centre backs, two wing backs, um, playing two up top and having a couple in the middle, one in behind the uh, striker. We haven't got any. We haven't got any natural width. We haven't got any wingers, so don't try and play. I don't see why we why we would play Reed, Jamie uh, Reed out wide. Like, no, it just doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. It's not his position. It's not where he's best. Stop fucking don't put him there. But I think we tried that a couple of years ago. Dino played it for for a few games. I remember towards the end of of a season, and it actually looked a decent sort of setup. I didn't think it, it, it kind of to say it worked. I'm not sure 100 it worked completely because you didn't really see it for long enough to say long term. But it kind of feels like Van Kooten's not not a holding midfielder, so why play him there when he's a natural centre half? Gam stick him as one of those wide centre backs who can bring the ball forward. Let O'Neill actually go forward and not have to track back every five seconds because as soon as he goes forward they're they're counter-attacking on us within seconds and, and for us it's it feels like it's it's worth a go if you don't have that natural width you know the wingers that are actually going to be able to come in and really do anything yeah. then give it a go why not i'd be more excited by that prospect if he'd done like anything useful creatively for us in the last few games but what we've seen is a couple of crosses into the first man, a couple of overhit crosses, and nothing particularly. No, I agree. Yeah, so. I, I agree. You know, well, it should it should be probably Wilding, and if Coker's fit, Coker. But I mean, Clements isn't good enough, and he showed that in the five games he got given the opportunity for. So it was it needs must at the moment. What's happened to Bradley Barry? He's out for the year, I think. Or yeah, I'm pretty sure it's something long term. We didn't really see anything of him either, even when he was was fit and available. Barely, barely got a sniff. True, and he, he didn't look like much of a. Well, he was definitely behind the first eleven, and he didn't look like much of a step up from Carter or Reed anyway. So it's, no. it doesn't feel like a big loss, certainly compared to what Reeves is. Yeah. I think we need to, you know when, I think Nor- Norris has benefited from. I think we've seen some some better pieces from Norris since since List went down injured in particular. Uh, how we can get List and Norris playing in the same team is 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 really what's going to give us success because I think I can see there's there's goals in both of them. We've seen it, just never seen it at the same time, or it's usually when it's kind of during wasted time. Um, I think being able to to I think the midfield is where the issues lie ultimately. I, th- I don't think we've got that midfield that's going to give us what we need. When Bozzy first came in that first game before he went off injured, 
you knew exactly what his role was going to be, sit in front of that back four, almost be a third centre half and just just pick up the ball, win it and play it on. And the problem is, is that right now, even if you stuck him back in there, he's going to be playing it onto players who, who aren't going to be able to go and drive the ball forward. So give someone like Reed a chance, give him a, give him actually a run of starts. Don't just give him 10 minutes at the end of the game and hope that he's going to fix all your issues. Magically drag you back into a game from two goals behind, yeah. yeah. I don't understand why for the first half, the majority of the first half, it seemed like Reed was the target man and Norris was playing slightly withdrawn and trying to pick up the pieces. And he's like, we don't have a better target man in that team than Norris. In fact, you'd argue the second best person for that job is probably Carter in terms of who can win stuff in the air because Reed doesn't win that much. He scraps about, but it's all second ball picking up stuff. It's not a lot of winning his stuff off his own right. So use Norris in the role that he's best at, being an absolute pain in the arse of centre-backs and linking it in to the players getting in and around him. And I think you're right. Players like Reed and Carter need more time in that role because they're the ones who can provide that. Carter just needs to, to play in the 10 and just let him go and push the ball forward. Like, give him the boy's yeah. feet and let him go and do what he needs to do. He needs to be someone that at the same time that you, you don't have to rely on to track back because that's not his game. Whereas I think Reed actually gives you more box to box in regards to, you know, you can probably do a bit of both. Um, I think, I don't, like I said earlier, Carter, I don't think is, is for a relegation fight. Carter is your player who's going to come in and, and if you're pushing for promotion, he can go and give you some moments of brilliance. We haven't seen that anywhere near enough because we've just been constantly in a in a relegation dogfight pretty much the whole time he's been here. Um, when I was walking back to the car yesterday after the game, there were two comments from a Newport fan. So one of his mates he was walking with, he, he was obviously visiting a friend when they'd come to the game. The, um, that that proper proper got me. One was uh, he said. That lad who come on list, he should be called pissed. Looks like looks like he's Bambi on ice at other times. Um, and then the other thing, the other thing he said was um, that uh, when he came on after he looked like he was clearly our best player. It's hard to argue. Why don't he? Why don't he give him a chance? Is it just? Is just, it's just he's not my player. He's he's not the first manager to not really give him a chance though. No. So it feels like there's got to be there's got to be other reasons outside of what we see three o'clock on a Saturday. Questioning from Wasp around our shooting in general, even when the shooter isn't under pressure, seems pretty woefully inaccurate. And do we think this is down to do we think this is a sign of a lack of confidence within the team, or, or where is that coming from? He obviously didn't see Noz's goal last week, did he? <laughs> but it was fun. There's an exception to prove any rule, it right? Was fun. Woeful this week, wasn't it? Everything was high and wide. I did enjoy Van Kooten having a lash from distance because, like, you know, you've got to win that position, but one goal in 300 appearances, however many it is at the moment, it's, uh, yeah, it's a low percentage, low percentage choice. I just, I just think he's Nor- Norris can score goals, but he does snatch a lot, at quite a few chances, and that's not. Even when he's you know, having a decent game, he's, he has opportunities that he, that he snatches out regularly. Let's face it, they're League Two footballers. They're, they're, if, they were, if they were going to be scoring every time, they, they had an, a sniffing opportunity, they'd be playing at a much higher level. So, But no, I do think, most, for the most part, I do think there is a, a lack of confidence in it. I think Norris's effort, I think it was in the second half, 
but he was he was he was completely free. There was no, the cross had come over to him. He's completely free. He's got all the time in the world. He just he, he thought I've got to get get my foot through this as quickly as possible, and and just completely fluffed his lines. And I think that comes down to confidence because when you're two 0 down at home and you've not won in eight. You know, you're just so desperate to score. The goal against Orient was, a, I'm not going to say it was a freak, but it was just one of those ones that sometimes you just hit it right and sometimes it can just go in, go in top corner. It can happen. But, we can all do them, can't we? Well, speak for yourself, Strackers. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I've got two, 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 two related cheeky ones, yes. Simon Montgomery asks, which conference ground are we most looking forward to visiting next season? And Dean asks, where's the best place to park in Woking? <laughs> the only good I'm thing about going down... Stockport. Oh, been 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 to Stockport. Remember them. Remember them in the football league. I'm actually. I think the only good thing about going down is there is going to be some away days that we've that we've not done before. Um, but whether that outweighs or, the fact of going wood down is close. That's it. Yeah, wood <laughs> couldn't, couldn't get more of a neat answer to that question. I can I can go Boreham Wood and I can be over for a dinner. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I'd say Wrexham just because it's near the missus. And it's just hilarious watching them bottle out of promotion every season. <laughs> went went to Wrexham when we lost five 0 on the first day of the season and vowed never to go back again. So yeah. it's not a place you want to go to once, let alone twice. I went, but, no. I, I, I went. I went to Cambridge four years on the spin, saying I'm not going back next year, like properly. Like no, I'm never oh. fucking doing this again. And I've, I've, I've said that to home games this year, to be honest with you. <laughs> um. Right. We've got a new CEO, boys. I'm not really prepared for this. I haven't got a clue what his name is. Someone Jordan. Dominic Jordan. There we go. I and, and I think I think me not knowing even knowing his name as I'm introducing a discussion about him just gives you can sort of it, it betrays my uh, opinion immediately. I just don't care. Right now, I just don't care that there's someone else in that role because nothing. I don't feel like anything's going to change. Being maybe well, a bit harsh on him, but I, I, I don't know. I think this boils down to if he's going to come in and say this is what Stevenish Football Club is and this is what it's going to be for the foreseeable future, and Wallace or whoever the owner is is is, is agreed to this and, and is on board with this. And if Tisdale's the man for the future, he's bought into this as well. Then great, but we've not had that for years, and that's not that's not Alex's fault. I think that's 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 got to come from the very top. It's got to come from from Wallace, and Wallace has just been he's just been treading water for the last five, six, seven years. Weber Weber came in and, and decided he wanted to completely overhaul the whole thing, and now Wallace doesn't want to you know, doesn't want to go away and do that, which is understandable because it went so badly last time. But someone, someone, somewhere has got to say this is what we are, and then get everyone, in, including the fans, bought into it. It's a yeah. tough, tough role. I wouldn't want to do it. He had a decade working at Crystal Palace. I think it... his brother owns them, I guess. But yeah. you know, that's um, a good knowledge base to come into this sort of role from. Spent the last decade running his own company around sporting partnerships, whatever that may mean, and now comes into this role. 
Um, and again, you know, it's 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 clouded from the point of view of someone on the terraces, what a CEO does, what their responsibilities and roles are, and how important they are to the um, success of the club going forwards. But you know, good luck to him. We'll get behind him. It'd be great if he can give something, give us something to get behind. Can can he uh, can he get Leon Hunter out of the football club because that guy's not signed a decent player in I can't remember how long. Like it just he this is what is. Well, yeah, but mate, for every for every Jake Reeves, you've got you've got ten, Jamie Jamie ten Reeves, and twelve others, exactly right. So, yeah. uh, and look, every uh, and you know, he can sit there and it'll probably be dining out on the fact that you got Ilias Cherin on on loan a few years ago. But like for it, just for me, it feels like sure, every anyone can find the odd player, but when you're it in that job, speaks volumes about recruitment when you're trying to think of. Who who is your starting eleven? And you're like, well, I can think of about five or six that I'd want in it, and then it's a case of desperately trying to pick the best of the bad lot to fill in the other slots. It's I mean, not like it, it's not positive. Fair play if you can find five or six in this squad. I, I mean, I'm I'm struggling, but probably two, maybe three a push. Like I said, no, no, no one. There's not one person in this squad. If he, they were to leave in the summer, that'd be that thinking. Oh, that's that's gonna be a massive loss to us. Not one. Depends what depends what division we're in. As to whether I think your players are gonna be a massive loss or not. <laughs> I just think I just think every every one of them is replaceable. That's and that's the that's the position yeah. you. you but I think that's true of every club at League Two, isn't it? And you know, every every club. Below maybe like the championship, how many player? How many players are irre- like irreplaceable? Because like, like how many players have such a such longevity in a single team where they, you know they don't either move up or move down because they're either too good for League Two or League One or not good enough for League One or League Two. Like, I'll rephrase that. We'll say we'll say easily replaceable because <laughs> it's like I think yeah I, I agree with what you're saying. I think I think there's there's not one player that you sit there and and would lose tomorrow and then say right we're never going to replace that person. But at the same time, there's there's far too many players that, as I say, if they left, I'd much rather, in my opinion, I think if we went down, I think Norris would, would score goals in the conference. But, but not, if he's going to be, not if he's going to be surrounded by some of the clowns we've had this year. And would he even want to be there? Probably not. Yeah, no, I, 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 I do tend to agree. I think that we've, uh, we, we do struggle... I think we, we there's a lot of players that would struggle um, even in the conference um, were we to go down. But, you know, like I said last, like I said last week, I think there's only one player, on, one player on the books at the moment that's actually in contract for next season. That's Vancouver. That's uh, Vancouver. Yeah. So uh, at least it's one of the ones you'd want to keep then. Yeah, yeah. Admittedly, I think we'd we'd be fucking stupid to let him go. Let him go for no. nothing. <laughs> Everyone has their price, right? And this kind of links into one of the questions we had in, which I didn't cover because we'd already covered it to a certain extent. There, but someone asked, like, do we need to get relegated to overhaul the squad? And not honestly, right. for the reasons Draken's already outlined, absolutely not. Right? It would be a massive blow to go down, and you can overhaul a squad without doing that, and it's much, much beneficial to. And I think you know. The more player turnaround you have every year, the more difficult it is to build any cohesion within your team. So you want to minimise that as much as you can whilst making the changes that you need to make. But 
I think what we've seen over the last few seasons here is too much player turnaround, not enough um, building of quality and building of consistency within the team. But I absolutely wouldn't want to get relegated to give yourself the impetus to just blow it all up and and rebuild. Because that's just doing the same thing under more difficult circumstances. You can't honestly say that, that blowing this team up in the summer, even if we were to stay out miraculously, is going to have a negative impact on cohesion. Because just watch any game on any given Saturday and you're, you're looking, not Correct. looking at a team yeah. that is full of cohesion, let's face it. So I, I wouldn't have an issue with, I think you, you would cherry pick the two or three that you know that you want to build that around. But outside of that, sure. I think but, if, if, only, if Van Kooten's the only player that's that's under contract for next year, then so be it. Go and build a new squad and give Tisdale the opportunity to go and build something that, or whoever the manager ends up being, go and get, let them build something that's going to go and build success ultimately that's a problem we've had for a long time isn't it i think i think that's the that, that's probably one of the reasons why we're in this mess is because we keep saying we keep going yeah just you know sack it off sack them all off start again like at some point it's got to stop and i'd much rather it stops sooner rather than later even with some of these uh maggots I could see the quotation drop there, Nate. <laughs> well, I just feel like a bit at the minute. It feels like it's a bit of a gamble that's not paying off um, at the club. I, I feel like I think the club now, for, from an from anyone externally looking at it, thinking that's an investment, it does look great. But now the position of, of the club has absolutely killed that chance. If if Phil Wallace decided he want to go this summer, because us going down will absolutely kill it. And I think it's a gamble that's not, not worked to his favour at all. I, see, I, I don't think Tisdale was a gamble. I think Tisdale was his safe option. Revel was a gamble because of the lack of experience. Same with, I guess, Dino. And... Oh, but hasn't, hasn't everything been a gamble over the last, say, like nine yeah, seasons, yeah. though? I mean, Ted, Teddy definitely was, that's for sure. And I, I, oh, yeah, definitely. And I just feel like it's really not, not paid off, which is a shame because... He did turn it around, and that's the only thing I can think about Oldham is thinking that um, they they are due another bad run. They're down the bottom for that reason. So yeah, they've had a good 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 spell over the last couple of weeks, but they're also due to be just as poor as us at some point. So I think my only hope is that they are going to be bad again. Yeah, two points mm. from the last four games, Oldham. We need that to keep up. Yeah. Well, or down, I suppose. Well, I've had enough talking about Stevenage for one week, so I'm going to make the executive decision. F- it off. Um, so I guess we have to do score predictions for Tuesday night, don't we, boys? Um, I'm going to say Northampton 2 2 0. Same for me, 2 0. Well, let's have a miraculous 1 0 Stevenage win then, why not? I'll go for a change of formation and players. I think Reed will start, and I'm going to go for a 1 0 draw. Take that right now. Yeah, yeah. Biting your hand off for a point in that. Jesus, what? How miserable is that? Biting your hand off for a point against fucking Northampton. Anyway, uh, I don't know. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next week. I don't know. Goodbye, I suppose. See you Tuesday night. Machinio, bashing from midfield. It's Machinio. It's certainly worthy of it. An old track, an old track.
you are a right salt pat. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he? Absolute yeah. mother-in-law's dream. Do my best. What do you reckon the player's favourite McDonald's is? Sweeney screams fillet of fish to me. I can see that. I reckon TVC loves a McFlurry because they're smooth as silk like his first touch. Do you reckon Macca loves a Macca's? I mean, obviously. Just look at his cheeky face. And Revs definitely takes down a McNugget's share box on his bill. You want to watch what you say about our team's nutritionist? Order McDelivery now from the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.